0: All right, all right, all right. I heard he made fun of me last week, saying that I talk like Matthew McConaughey, which I feel like is a uh, is a uh, compliment. Respect. Yeah, yeah. Give it up for Dom and his sarcasm. Love you, Dom. I'll be here I know. <laughs> no, anyway, nobody caught that. All right, well, we'll move on. So I do want to say this tonight, uh, this Saturday, uh, Eric Gilmore's coming, we've already talked about it multiple times, but it is going to be, I think, a great time learning about how to be in the presence of God each and every day, all the time in your life. and. Uh, and so if you're thinking about it, if you have Saturday available, uh, we, I really think it'd be worthwhile for you to come and be here. Our staff is going to be here. I'm going to be here. And I'm really looking forward to what he, what he has to share. He travels all over the place and, and talks about this stuff. And, and there's so many people been empowered by his ministry, uh, really by the Lord, but through his ministry. Uh, so I'd encourage you to come and check that out. It's going to, it's going to be great. So we'll see you Saturday. Oh, you can go out in the foyer. Shane and April, they're right here. Wave your hands. They are going to be working a table out there. If you do, if you'd like to sign up here, you don't have to go online. You can talk with them and they'll walk you through it right there to get you signed up to come to it. And, uh, and so anyway, it's going to be great. So we're in the last few weeks of our 80, 20 faith series. Everybody say 80, 20 faith. This is the longest series of my life. We're on week nine today, and uh, and everybody go week nine like that. Wow. Yeah, okay. Well, anyway, um, it's long and it's just going on and on and on. But I think it's been good. I think we've talked about a lot of things that needed to be talked about. And uh, and you know, last week Pastor Paul did a great job. Give it up for Pastor Paul. Anybody here watch Deadliest Catch? Anybody watch Deadliest Catch? Okay, like one person. Well, I watch Deadliest Catch, and there's this one captain that every time a big pot full of, or, like, trap full of crabs comes on board, he goes, like, unts, 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 like that every time, like a big one. He does it every time. It's a weird, like, good luck thing. But anyway, watching Pastor Paul's messages, I was like, unts, unts, unts. like, that's my boy. He's twice my age, but that's my boy, you know? Like, it was awesome. So he did a good job, and... Uh, and so, so here we are coming into uh, into the end of summer. Wow, you guys don't even care. and uh well, that's great so but uh, but we're coming to the end of the series, and at the beginning of the summer, I said, oh, I'm going to do a summer series called 80 20 Faith," and I didn't literally mean it would go all summer long, but here we are and uh, and so today I'm going to talk about another part of the 20 percent. I should explain this if you've not been here. Uh, whenever, when you made a decision to accept Jesus as your Lord, or maybe you haven't yet, but when you do, most people when they do that, with, they do it with the intention or the thought that I'm going to live 100% devoted to God. I'm going to let God lead my life. My life's going to change. I'm going to live for Him. But the reality is that most Christians don't live 100% devoted. They live about 80%. And there's this 20% area of their life where they struggle to live the way that God wants them to live. They struggle to follow the word. They, they maybe don't believe part of what the Bible says. And so we miss out on, on living 100% devoted. And so for, uh, for nine weeks now, we've been talking about the different things that I think fall into that 20% category where we struggle. And so today I'm going to talk about another one of those areas that we all deal with, and I think it's going to be great. And... Uh, because uh, because it's going to hit you where it counts. And uh, and so want to I want to get into it in a minute, but before we do, why don't we pray? So let's bow our heads and ask God to lead us. Father, thank you so much for each and every person in this place. God, you know their hearts, you know their situations, you know right where they are. So God, today, as we get into your word, I pray that you speak to those hearts, you speak to those situations. God, I pray that for some of us we have conviction in our heart about the way that we're living or the way that we're acting or the way that we're believing or not believing, God. And and, and I pray that you convict us to change those areas. And God, since change is hard, we ask that you motivate us and you encourage us and inspire us through the change to become the person that you created us to be. God, uh, I pray that you give us ears to hear, hearts that understand, and minds that desire to live like you and to live for you. And God, let the words that I share not be my own words, but be the words that you uh, need me to share in Jesus' name, and everybody says, "Amen, amen." So this is something that we all struggle with, something that that uh, that you have dealt with probably in this last day, maybe even today, but definitely in the last week. And and so what I want to talk about tonight is this: we have trouble controlling our tongue. First service, it was like an overwhelming groan happened in the room. So, uh, so it was just. It's this is the thing that we struggle with, really, really struggle with, is controlling the things that we say, the things that come out of our mouths. And uh, the Bible has a lot to say about this subject, but there's one scripture that pretty much everybody goes to right away. When they hear this idea of controlling our words or the words that we say or control the power of our tongue. And so I want to just get that scripture out of the way first. We'll we'll talk about it right now. It's Proverbs 18, 20 through 21. You probably could recite it with me when I get to the part that you know. And it says this in, in verse 20, it says, A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth, from the produce of his lips, he shall be filled. And then in verse twenty-one, it says this: Death and life are in the power of the tongue, right? You've heard that before? Say it with me. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Oh, man. Um, and then it says, those who love it will eat its fruit. And I think this is a great scripture, and I think it's very true that the, the tongue is a powerful thing. But uh, but I really like the way that the Message Bible puts it, and I, I like the way the New King James says it. That's the, what we just read. But uh, but I like the way that it's explained when you read it in the message Bible. I want to read it to you, Proverbs 18:20 20, and 21 uh, in the message, it says this. It says, "Words satisfy the mind as much as fruit does the stomach. Good talk is as gratifying as a good harvest." And then it says in verse 21, "Words kill. Words give life. They're either either poison or fruit. You choose." Like isn't that good? Isn't that true? That, that words really do kill, Re- words really do hurt people. Or words can really give life to people and they can really help people. They're either poison or they're fruit. You choose, you choose what your words are gonna be. So today I wanna look at how powerful your words are. Your entire life can be changed if you would change the way that you talk. Did you know that? Your entire, the course of your entire life can change. Do You know that your words can, can change the course of other people's lives or other people's words can change your life. It, it, it's true it can happen and then there's another thing about about your words your words have the power to change your eternity like your salvation they have the ability to either get you into heaven or get you out of heaven and and let me let me put it this way have you ever been in a disagreement with someone that and, and you said something you knew that was really going to blow up the conversation you ever say you ever do that anybody raise your hand if you've done that I did it last week anyway uh, you did it yesterday so but uh but it's true. Our words can just blow things up. Have you ever had somebody say something about you that really hurt you and it hung with you for a long time? Anybody? Raise your hand. It's okay. Don't be embarrassed. Okay. Most of us in the room. And, and then this is the third thing is, did you know that Jesus himself says that your words can affect your eternity? Jesus himself says it. You won't have to take my word for it today. We're going to use scripture to talk about all of these things. So that's what I want to talk about. So let's start. Number one today is this. Your words will shape your life. Everybody say, my life. life. Your words will shape your life. They will. Studies have shown, they've proven, um, that positive self-talk, or what you say in your mind to yourself, is one of the top characteristics of, of the most successful people in the world. That the most successful people in the world, in their heads, in their minds, they tell themselves that they can do it. They tell themselves that they're good enough. They tell themselves that they're able to get that job, they're able to get that promotion, they're able to get that uh, person in relationship or, or have a rela- successful relationship or do whatever they want to do. because They're telling themselves this. And think about it. When you're telling yourself that you can do something... you. Probably can do it right in your mind. If you're thinking, I know I can do this, you tend to accomplish the goals you know that you can do, or, or you're telling yourself you can do. Let me give you an example. I love to run uh, long distance races and long distance runs, I've gotten into that. And in uh, Dom, uh, Dom, two years ago, Dominic, everybody wave, he's the guy who made fun of me. And uh, or <laughs> sorry, I meant to have Dom wave, <laughs> but. Uh, but Dom, two years ago, told me, I was training for a race, and he said, I will never run a long-distance race. And now Dom is like, when are we running our next long-distance race? He's completely transformed his whole thought on it. And I like running with Dom because he's like he's like a bullet. He's like a little, little guy, but he's really fast. And so I'm always trying to keep up with him, and he's, he's flying, and, and so he's pushing me. So running has become a competition between Dom and I. Everything is a competition between Dom and I. But, uh, but running has become a competition. And so this Spring, we ran two different long-distance runs. We ran the Riverbank Run. We ran 15 and a half miles in that run, and then we three weeks later we ran uh, the Muskegon Half Marathon, the Seaway Run, and that's 13.1 miles. And so I want to tell you the difference between negative self-talk and positive self-talk. Okay, so when I when I've got some family members and stuff that have started running and they, they really struggle to run fast or run a long ways. And so they asked me how I've been able to do it. And I'm not the greatest runner. I'm just, these are things that I've learned. is I said, you got to tell yourself, I'm not tired, I'm not out of breath, and my legs aren't heavy. And if you can get out there and you can just have that as kind of this this chant in your mind, I'm not tired, uh, my, my I'm not out of breath, and my legs aren't heavy. I'm not tired, I'm not out of breath, and my legs aren't heavy. You will run faster and you will run further than you ever have before. If you can just tell yourself that over and over, your, your body will believe it. And uh, and so I, this is something that I put into practice, especially when I'm trying to run with Dom, who's so fast, I'm dying the entire time. And so we run the, the riverbank run, and in these long runs, it's always by about mile seven when I hit this moment where I either I'm either telling myself I'm going to make it or I'm not going to make it. And so we got around mile seven in the riverbank run and I'm running and Dom's like the energizer money. He's like high fiving little kids and like, like he's all over the world. Like I'm Dom, you know, and I'm like, this is ridiculous. (gasps) You know, I'm trying to keep up with him. And I get to mile seven and I start to say in my mind, I'm tired. I can't do this. I'm I think Dom's going to beat me. I don't know how I'm going to keep up with him. I sure hope he gets a little tired out from zigzagging across the street, high-fiving people so that I can keep up with him the whole way. And I started to re- repeat those things in my mind, and it slowed me down. And and at mile 10, he was being a good friend, and he's like, no, I'll slow down and run with you. That's like the last thing you want to hear, like you're, you're a jerk. And, uh, and so I'm like, no, just go. Just run the race, and I'll finish it at my pace, and, and I'm just struggling here, and so... Finally, I talked him into leaving me, and he just faded off into the distance <laughs> in front of me, and and Dom beat me in the race, and I really wanted to beat him, and uh, but Dom beat me by like what six minutes. I mean, he was so in running, he was so far ahead of me. I was just like I was disgraced with myself, and uh, and so then fast forward three weeks later, we run the Muskegon uh, the half marathon, the thirteen mile race, and uh, and and I just. I, I got to mile seven. I'm like, I feel so good. And Dom's like, man, you know. I'm like, I feel so great. And and so mile seven, I started saying, come on, let's speed it up a little bit. Let's go a little faster. And so we get to the end of the race, and I, I think I might have said it on a Sunday. I won. It was fantastic. Now what I didn't tell you that Sunday is I only beat him by 12 seconds. But I beat him in the last 30 yards. I was like, I'm going for it. <laughs> and just like beat Dom by a few seconds. But but I won anyway. And that makes me feel good. But that whole race, I just—I it was like I was just had this mindset of I can do this. I'm feeling good. I'm running fast. I'm gonna beat Dom. I can. I can win this race. I can win this. Race. It, it also helped that I watched a person almost get run over by a deer in front, like right next to us, and the guy's like, "Ah!" And I was like, "That was amazing. I was mean, so good." And uh, and so so ran the race and we finished it. Positive or negative self-talk can affect the outcome of your life. If you tell yourself you will never do any good or you are no good or you're not good enough or you'll never get the promotion or you'll never be in a good relationship or you'll never have the things that you desire, you will never have them. You will never do it. You have to change the way you talk about yourself. In here, you have to tell yourself you're good enough. And don't take my word for it. The Bible talks about how powerful the words are that you say to yourself. James, the brother of Jesus, he put this in his in his letter. James 3, uh, verse 3, he says, this When we put bits in the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Verse 4, he says, Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Verse 5. Likewise, the tongue is a small part. Of the body. I like to change the word the to your body, because I'm talking to you. The, the the tongue is a small part of your body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body and it sets the whole what? The whole course of one's what? Life. Your tongue will dictate the course of your life. The things that you say about yourself will change the outcome of your life. The things that you're telling yourself in your head right now in this moment or earlier today or when you were facing some sort of obstacle in your life this last week, the things you told yourself in your head are most likely the results of what happened. It says that it sets the course of one's life on fire and it itself is set on fire by hell. The the tongue is an incredibly powerful thing in your life. The words you say transform your life. I'm reading a book right now, and you should read this book, it's a great book, so write this down, write down the title of this book. It's called The Storyteller's Secret. It's a great book, it's got a white cover with red across the middle, so you know what it looks like if you go on Amazon or something like that. It's a great book about uh, the secrets of the the most successful people that have ever lived, okay? And, and one thing that they all have in common is they're great storytellers, and it talks about the different tools and different things that help them to become Great leaders and successful, and so uh, in one of the chapters in there, there's a story about this young man, and his dad's a pastor of a huge church. The church is like eight thousand people. the The dad has a tele- the church has a television show, so their Sunday services are on TV. and uh, And this this son kind of grows up in the shadow of his dad. He goes to Bible school. He comes home. And his dad says, you, "You went through Bible school. Why don't you speak on Sunday? I'd love to son. I'd love to have you come on stage and speak one Sunday." And he's like, "Dad, I'm not good enough. I'm not as good as you. I'll never compare to you. I'm going to get up there and sound like a fool. I'm not going to do it." He's negatively self talking, and, and he and he wrote this part of the book, and he's talking about how he kept telling himself he wasn't good enough, and he'd never be good enough to be able to speak on stage and be able to bring the word of God in a way that was that was you know beneficial for people and so this went on and on and on for 17 years the pastor's son sat behind the camera in the back and just did video for the tv show refusing to ever speak after 17 years he, he finally goes to his dad and he goes his dad has never stopped asking him he goes and he goes okay i will speak but i'll do it one time I'm not doing it because I feel like the Lord's telling me to do it. I'm just going to do it to make you proud, Dad. But I'll do it one time and I'm done. I'm never speaking again in front of people. I don't want to do that. I'm not good. The dad's like, great, we'll put you on stage, right? So the week comes that he's going to speak. And two days before the service. So on Friday, his dad falls ill and has to be in the hospital and is going to miss the one time he's ever going to speak. So the dad ends up watching his son on TV on their live broadcast from the church, and his son speaks. Five days later, the dad dies. The following, So not even a Sunday later, five days later. The following Sunday, the church has a vote and votes the son to be the pastor of the church. He's only spoke one time in front of people, ever. That boy's name was Joel Olstein. A lot of people don't, and you might not like Joel Osteen. That doesn't matter. What I'm talking about is is this self-talk situation. Joel Osteen has become the pastor of the biggest church in the United States of America. He has over 50,000 people that attend at one location on Sunday mornings, 14,000 seat basketball stadium. He's one of the only churches in the country that meets in an actual basketball stadium. He's the only speaker in history to fill out Yankee Stadium, all the stands in the entire field for one speech. This is, this is the guy who spent 17 years telling himself he couldn't do it. And so he explains that what, what changed is when his dad died and he was voted, he, they, they voted to make him the pastor without him wanting to be the pastor, that he made a decision that he had to do this and that he was going to start telling himself he could do it. His dad's church was 8,000 people. Today it's 50,000 people. He told, himself, he told his wife, he said, you're just going to have to keep telling me I'm good enough. And I'm going to keep telling myself I'm good enough. And I'm going to keep saying that, I, that, that God's put me here, so I'm going to do it. I'm good enough. God's given me the gifts. I'm, a, I'm able to do it. I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. And he became the most successful pastor in United States history. And you, you might not like him, but that doesn't really matter. The story's still good. And, uh, and you've got to change your way of talking to yourself. You have to change the way that you talk about yourself. So uh, I want, I've got three tips for self-talk, how to change this, because so many of us struggle with this. Okay, um, The first, the tip number one, these aren't mine, by the way. I stole them offline. I liked them, so here they are. And uh, number one is this. You need to listen to yourself. You all the time are telling yourself something about yourself. And a lot of people, they're not even paying attention to what they're saying. They're just living it. Somebody else can tell you how great you are or how you're worth it or how good your life is or or how successful you could be, and you in here aren't listening to what you're telling yourself. You're not listening to them, and you're not listening to what you're saying. And what you're saying to yourself over and over is, I'm not good enough. You need to listen to yourself. Number two is this. You need to challenge what you hear. Because you need to really look at, look at that, what you're hearing in your head, what you're telling yourself, and you need to see if it's really true or not. Because most likely, it's not true. This is really common in ladies. Uh, and no offense, ladies. This is just true. Is Ladies tell themselves that they're not good enough, that they're not pretty enough, that no one will ever love them, that no one will ever think that they're good enough, or they'll never get a job that's, that's great. All those things. This is very common with ladies, and that is a lie. That's not true. You are good enough. You are beautiful enough. You do have what it takes to become an awesome woman of God and make a difference in this world. You, you could do it. And men, you too. You need to step up and you need to know in your heart that you, that you are worth it, that God has great things for you, and that, that he prepared you for those things. You need, you need to speak this to yourself. And then, and then number three is what I've already talked about, is you need to change your self-talk. And, and I think this is a great way of, of how you can do this. You need to make a list of all the things you're good at. You need to make a list of all the good things that have happened in your life. And, and I think you would probably be surprised that the list of things that, you, that are good in your life, the things that, that make you worthy, all of those things, far outshines the list that you have of negatives that you've been focusing on for so long. You can change. You can make the change. And, and, I, and so if you, you think, oh, no, I don't have a long list, I don't have all that stuff, then I think you need to look in the Word and look at what God says about you. So here's a few. I've got a few examples for you of what God actually says about your life. The first one is this. Psalm 139 verse 14 says this. says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God, God put, put some effort into making you. And you matter to him. 1 John 3 1 says, I am a cherished, cherished child of God. You matter. You are, you are a son or a daughter of God. And he sees you that way and he cares for you that way. Your life is important. Genesis one twenty seven says, I was made in God's image. You're valuable to God. God didn't make anything else in his image. He only made you. He made, he made us in his image. And so he obviously cares enough about you to make you in his image so you matter. You have value. Because the, what you tell yourself about yourself will change the course of your life. Um, I'll use this example. My wife, uh, I I did it in the other services without asking, so I'll do it in this one. Um, This last Thursday at women's ministry was the first time she's ever spoken in front of a big group of people or taught in front of a big group of people. And she rocked it. Absolutely rocked it. I know that because I watched it online. She told me I couldn't be in the room. It would make her too nervous. But for... For two years, she told me over and over about how she wasn't good enough to do it. She wasn't as good as me as a speaker or as good as Chris as a speaker. And Chris, you are pretty fabulous. And, uh, and, and she's just like, I'm not good enough. I can't do it. And, and for, for like a year and a half, I heard this from her. And I would say, no, that's not true. She's one of the greatest storytellers I, I know. And, uh, and so I kept telling her, no, you're good enough, you're good enough. And she said, I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough. And about six months ago, something switched in her, in her heart or her mind. I don't know what happened, but it switched. And all of a sudden, we, our conversations would go, I, I think I want to do that. I think I can do that. I think I'm good enough to do that. I got an idea for a message that I want to share with the ladies. I, and I'm like, yeah, here we go. And so she did it, and, and she did a great job. And guys, God's got all kinds of plans for you. You just got to believe that you can do it. My dad called her and told her that she's a better speaker than me, and he'd rather have her up as a guest speaker at his church than me. I said, go for it. <laughs> I, mean, like, I was like, thanks, Dad. He called me today. He's like, oh, did Allison tell you what I said? <laughs> I was like, yeah, you're never coming back to my church. Anyway, <laughs> what you tell yourself will change the direction of your life. So I'll hit one more thing because I just thought it was funny this morning, and I like funny things, is that there's a lot of people out there saying that you don't look good enough, or you're not good enough, or you're not worthy of finding somebody to love and having a lifelong relationship. That's not true. There's a lot of funky-looking couples out there. (laughs) Come on. You know what I'm talking about. You see them, and you go, huh? That doesn't make sense to me. They must have been really positively self-talking to themselves all the way through that whole thing. What I'm trying to say is what you say to yourself will change the direction of your life. Are we good there? All right, number two, your words will shape other people's lives, others' lives. They will. You've heard that saying, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt hurt me. That is a lie. That is not true. Words will injure people or injure you worse than any physical pain you can go through. You're like, well, there's some pretty bad physical pain out there. No. It doesn't even compare to what words can do to a person. I mean, if you really think about it, people who've been in really bad car accidents or, or tragedies or accidents like that where they're disfigured and they, you know, they, they attract attention because they're disfigured, they, are, they spend more time in pain emotionally about what people think or say about them than they actually do with what's actually happened to them because words are more powerful than physical pain or your physical situation. Your words will shape other people's lives. The Bible is full of scriptures that that talk about how we as believers need to watch what we say. We need to be careful about the words that we say to other people because our words are death or life to other people as well. And so I, I just picked one of the scriptures. There's, there's literally... A hundred plus scriptures about about you and your words that you say and how they matter. But this one's I think is a good one to, to focus on. Ephesians 4:29 says this: Do not let any unwholesome talk. What unwholesome talk? Amen. Any. That means any talk. Doesn't don't do. <laughs> that's self-explanatory. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building who up, others, others up, according to their needs. Right that it may benefit those who listen. In here, it doesn't say anything about your needs or what you want or what you want to say or how you want to say it. This whole thing is all about how the words you say matter to other people and how we need to be careful about the words that we say. And this is where we struggle probably, like outwardly where we struggle the worst because we have lots to say about other people and and often the things that we say are not helpful they're hurtful and and we were at a at a conference the first half of the, the last week that my wife and I were gone, and there was this guest speaker there. And how many people have heard of the five love languages, the, the different ways that we love each other in, in, in relationships? Well, this guy, uh, he says he thinks the sixth love language is sarcasm. And I, and I think I agree. I love sarcasm. But he said the problem is is that his wife doesn't get sarcasm and, and like cried every time he tried to make a joke. And you know, sometimes even in our humor, we hurt other people. We think that we're being funny, but we're not being funny. We're hurting them, and they leave the situation not laughing, but instead in, in pain or emotionally hurt because of what happened. So, you, so we have to be careful. I have to be careful that my, my joking doesn't hurt someone because I love sarcasm, and some people just don't get it, and so we have to be careful about it. But this is also where gossip comes in, where we talk about somebody behind their back. How many people, or you don't have to raise your hand, but how many people in here have had somebody say something behind your back, gossip about you, and you found out about it? how bad that hurts to feel like these things are being said behind your back and and then you're, you it, it hurts your heart so we need to spend like we need to spend all our time speaking positively about other people instead of instead of speaking neg- negatively so uh, number 3 we'll move on from this number 3 your words will shape your eternity Now, you might be like, well, that makes sense because I have to say I make Jesus Lord of my life. I have to use my words to say I make Jesus Lord of my life. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about how your words can dictate or can shape whether or not you go to heaven or not, regardless if you raised your hand and said a prayer. Okay? So this might challenge some of your ways of thinking, but don't take my word for it. Take God's word for it. Now, Jesus himself talks about this in Matthew 12, so I'm going to read it to you and we'll talk about it. Matthew 12, 33 says this. It says, Make a tree, Jesus himself says, Make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. And then Jesus says in verse 34, he says, You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the what? The heart is full of. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. In other words, What's really going on here is what's going to come out of here. What's really happening inside of you, inside of here, inside of here, is what's going to come out of here. And Jesus continues in verse 35. He says, a good man brings good things out of the goods stored up in him. An evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone, listen to this, verse 36, Jesus says, But I tell you that everyone, who? Everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. Jesus just said that all of you and myself will have, on our day of judgment, when we stand before Jesus, we will have to take an account of every word That came out of our mouth. I'm going to be honest. A lot of you have a lot of bad coming out of your mouth. It's easy to stand in this foyer with a bunch of other church people drinking your coffee, eating your cookie, and to sound good. That's not what Jesus is talking about. He He didn't say just the words that come out of your mouth when you're standing at church. He says every word that comes out of your mouth. So the words that you share when you're outside of here. The words that you share with your buddies at the ball game or with your friends at the beach or with the people that you work with at work. The words that you share with your significant other or with your kids in every situation. The words that you use will be taken into account on the day that that you stand before Jesus. I love golf because it brings out the worst in people. Anybody love golf? Anybody hate golf? Same people raise their hands, right? Uh, it's like you can go out golfing and you spit, like, oh, such a beautiful day. You're on the first tee box. You're like, God, thank you for such a great day. By hole two, you hit a bad shot and you're like, Jesus Christ, right? I hear more Jesus' name more often out on the golf course than I do in the church, by the way. And that's not funny to you, it's true. I love golfing with people who do that because because like they'll they'll be like they'll hit a bad shot and they will go Jesus Christ and I go Where is he here? Is he coming back? Jesus, I'm ready. Baptize me in this nasty golf pond. I will go with you, Jesus, wherever you want. And they look at me like Who are you? And uh, so what I do is uh, is when when somebody I'm golfing with starts doing that all the time, which I don't know why people seem to want to use the words Jesus Christ as a cuss word, I use their name. So I hit a bad shot and I'm like. Paul Myers, I throw my club and I'm like kicking stuff, unstrapping my golf bag, shoving it off the thing, and he they they look at you and they're like what? When when people realize that you just use their name as a cuss word, they freak out. It's the funniest thing. And I think why why are you using Jesus' name as a cuss word? You should use your own name. You're the one who's crappy at playing golf. <laughs> or 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 curse your. Your golf club brand. I don't know. Figure something else out. But why are we yelling at Jesus when we can't play a game? But but we're going to have to take account of those words that we've said in every situation when we stand before Jesus. When you're upset in your relationship and you say hurtful things. Those words are going to count when you stand before Jesus when you conform to the way that people talk at at work to try to fit in, those words are going to matter when you stand before Jesus. Because out of an abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I've been waiting. I, I haven't said this yet. Well, before I even get there. There are people in this room who struggle with this. And I'm gonna gonna be straight with you. I don't want you to represent my Jesus. Because the things coming out of your mouth do not represent God the way that God wants to be represented. You gotta change the way you talk. Or don't claim to be a Christian. And this is why. Jesus himself says this. Verse 37. He says, for by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words, you will be condemned. This is the next verse. When he says that, that when you stand before him, every word that you have said in your life is going to be taken into account, and by those words, the, the words that you have said, you will either be acquitted, which also means justified, you will be justified in your faith, or you will be condemned to hell. How can Jesus say this? How can Jesus say that your words matter? Wait, I raised my hand. I got saved. The church has done a real bad job of talking about salvation to people. A lot of people think because they raised their hand and they said, I love Jesus one time, that somehow that covers everything else and they can live any way they want and they're just going to be ushered right into heaven with trumpets and fanfare. And that is not true. Because Christianity isn't about some prayer you say one day. It's about something that happens in your heart you got to believe in your heart. I mean, it literally says, you need to believe in your heart and declare that Jesus is Lord. The believing in your heart part is the key part. And so Jesus can say this because the truth is, is if what's coming out of your mouth is not godly, then maybe you don't have God in your heart in the first place. And maybe you're having a moment right now going, whoa, I thought I was saved. I thought I made Jesus Lord, but I know what comes out of my mouth is not anything that the Lord would be happy about. Well, maybe the abundance of your heart isn't Jesus. But maybe it can be today. It can change. I want to be clear about what this scripture is saying. It's this, it's the words that come out of you that tell the truth about you. The words that come out of you, it's those words that tell the truth about you. You can claim to be a Christian all day long, but if the words out of your mouth don't show it, then stop trying to fool yourself. Stop trying to fool other people about it. This might sound harsh, but it's not what I said. It's what Jesus said, so you can take it up with him. And you'll have to, by the way, because that's what he says. On the day of judgment, you will take it up with him. So maybe we need to change. Maybe we need to change the way that we talk. Maybe you're feeling convicted today. like, Whoa, I've used my words in ways that are not the way God would want me to use them. You can change that today. You can be 100% devoted. But you can't be 100% devoted. You will always be an 80-20 believer if you can't control your tongue. If you can't change the way that you talk. You can't make excuses anymore. You can't say, that's the way I was raised. You can't say, that's just how it is. Those words don't mean anything to me. They might not mean anything to you, but they mean something to him. And the people that you talk about negatively, they mean something to him as well. And the way that you talk to yourself and tell you that you don't mean anything, that bothers him too, because you do mean something to him. Got to change it. We Got to change the way we talk we got to change the way that we think about ourselves. We need to uplift other people, and we need to be truthful from our heart about our faith. You can do this. You can do it. Everybody say, "I I can do it. You can do it. And if you will do it, this is the best part about this, if you will do this, if you will change the way you talk today, if you will say, I'm not going to have that foul mouth, I'm not going to say negative things about people, I'm going to stop myself in my tracks today, your life will get better. It will get better. How many people would like their lives to get better? It's okay. Everybody can raise their hand if you want. (laughs) We all want our lives to get better. But again, I like to say this, don't take my word for it. You take God's word for it. This is the the last thing in your notes. Number four, your words can help you to be happy. In 1 Peter 3.10, it says this. It says, for the scriptures say, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. God's word itself says, if you want to be happy, you got to change the way you talk. You got to change it and it will change you you want to actually see life change every day change the way you talk about yourself change the way you talk about other people and change the way you talk about the lord it'll change everything in your life why don't we bow our heads father you know every person in this room god and you know which one of them or which of them right now in this moment feeling convicted in their hearts. And God, we thank you that conviction is a good thing. It's not condemnation. We're not not failures forever. Conviction is this moment where we say, hey, I know, I need to change. And so God, I pray that there's a lot of us today, there's probably all of us in some part or another that that feel convicted today that we need to change our lives. We need to change the way we talk about ourselves or others or about you or how we represent you with our words. So God, I pray that you speak to everybody's heart here. That you, you motivate them, that they can do this, that they can change. And God, your word says that, that the Holy Spirit, your spirit, will bring to remembrance the things that we need and the times that we need them. God, in the, in the next day, in the coming week, when they're in a moment, where they know something's going to come out of their mouth that's negative about somebody else or about themselves or that isn't going to represent you well, I pray that the Holy Spirit in that moment brings to remembrance this moment, this moment of conviction, knowing that we need to change, and stops them in their tracks. Help us to be great representations of you each and every day. With everybody's eyes closed, if you're here tonight, and as I've been talking, maybe you realize that You're not devoted to God or you haven't been. What's in your heart, what's in in your heart and mind and your soul and what's been coming out of you is not of God. But you want to make a change today. You want to dedicate yourself to to not living for yourself anymore but to to living for God to being a, 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 a representation of who God is in the way that you act and the way that you talk and the way that you live and allowing God to lead you. If that's you and you want to you start that life, you need Jesus. You need to make Jesus Lord and you got to believe it in your heart and you got to walk out of here trusting him and following him and, and really obeying what he teaches us to do because your life will be better if you apply the things that God teaches us to to apply to our lives. So if that's you and you know you want Jesus, you know you want change, you know that your heart is for him in this moment right now, if that's you with everybody's eyes closed, nobody looking around, just lift your hand up. Is there anybody that knows they want to make a decision to follow Jesus tonight? Awesome. 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 I see those hands. As well, if you're watching online, it, it doesn't matter if you're in this room, God can meet you right where you are. And so uh, you, it's, it's not about being here in this place, it's about being with God right here, right now, no matter where you're at. The Bible's really clear about it. We gotta believe in our heart that Jesus is who he says he is, that he rose from the dead, that he defeated the grave so that we could have life. And then our lives need to declare that Jesus is Lord. The things you say, the way you act, everything that you do needs to, needs to show the love of Jesus to other people. So we're going to pray a prayer and uh, we're going to invite everybody to pray but if you raise your hand, we're welcoming you together into the family of God. So let's pray this prayer together and let's start this life. Say this with me. Say, Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross, defeat the grave, and to rise again so that I could be saved. I was a sinner, and I needed forgiveness. Thank you for giving it to me. Today I choose to make Jesus Lord of my life. I choose to live for you from this day on. Lead me, guide me, and speak to me as I follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Awesome. Thank you.